0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey guys, welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. This is our first episode after the NFL draft has officially. Uh, finished right and so we're doing this Sunday Sunday evening and we're going to get into all the picks I know we if you listen to our live streams you know we obviously reacted to um, you know the picks from the first day and the second day but we're just going to give our, our thoughts again there and we'll, we'll we'll run down all through all nine of them uh, and then we're going to talk about our least favorite picks the most most surprising picks and then also do some winners and losers uh, of the of the Chargers specific to the Chargers. Um, so it's going to be a fun draft. Can't wait to get into it. Uh, my name is Steve, and I am the host. Joining me, as always, are Tyler and Alex. Tyler, how are you doing today, man?
2: Okay, I don't know about you guys, but as when like the seventh round was rolling around for the Chargers, I was so tired. And I wanted them to pick <laughs> so fast. I was getting. Yeah. I was like, please let me nap. Please let me nap. And I'm. I feel like I'm still recovering from that day. I don't know why. Like Friday or Thursday, I was up early, and we were. You know, we we're live streaming for five hours. And I feel like I'm still recovering. The draft was a little bit much on me this time. We had nine picks this time instead of, you know, what five picks last time. So yeah, it was definitely a marathon this time. But um, yeah, it was still fun.
1: No, it was it was a lot of fun. And I was I was so tired on Saturday. Yeah. And you know, we didn't even stream on Friday. If we had done the the five hour stream Oof. on Friday too, I would have been I would have been done. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex, how are you doing today, man?
3: I'm doing pretty good. And frankly, my body is still recovering too, because uh, I'm on the East Coast. So I had to stay up to like 1am when we were doing those live streams. And usually I get up to go to the gym at like 4.30 or 5. Uh, So doing that is like (laughs) 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 the day after getting like three hours of sleep was not fun. Uh, But yeah, today I woke up at like, seven and just said fuck it and actually slept a little bit <laughs> yeah we were gonna meet me and Brooke
1: we gonna go golfing today and you know we woke up at like seven to go golfing and then we were like nah we're going back to bed so <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely feeling that grogginess today but it's all good so mm-hmm. um great weekend for the chargers uh, and for the nfl draft you know obviously people in cleveland aren't listening to this but um i thought cleveland did a wonderful job hosting And, you know, I thought the NFL did a great job aside from the weird chair thing. Um, But it it was great to see it back in person, you know, them being able to announce the picks and at least in the first round, you know, the players got to go walk across the stage. And and so it was great to see it back to normal. I'm sure, you know, the Chargers fans that did get to attend had a had a great time. But um, definitely just wanted to give a shout out there. So uh, we're going to run down each pick and we'll start obviously with Rashawn Slater. And I still, like four days later, I cannot believe that the Chargers got Rashawn Slater. Um, so, Alex, we'll start with you here. What's kind of your, your general reaction, you know, four days later that the Chargers have Rashawn Slater on their team and not, you know, a Christian Derrissar or somebody else that we, you know, we were always talking about leading up?
3: Yeah, um, I guess just surprise, right? I mean, what really shifted it was the two uh, top cornerbacks going, number eight and nine, uh, to the Panthers and Broncos. And then that changed really the whole board. (laughs) Then you have the Eagles trade up, and then the Cowboys take a linebacker, right? So that really changed the whole thing, and it just worked out really well for the Chargers. Obviously, Rashawn Slater is is a mauler on the offensive line. Super happy to have him uh, easily, to me, the best pick of the draft. And, uh, yeah, just the fact that they fixed that hole in such a significant way um you know i wouldn't have minded christian Darislaw either i think christian Darislaw is a great pick and the fact that minnesota actually was able to trade back recuperate picks and then take him was uh, I, I think a really savvy move on their part um but yeah sean slater was just a bona fide home run pick and it was made possible by a lot of weird events that happened yeah but i'm happy they happened yeah me too he's
2: he's exactly what they want as a Pro ready pass protector will fit beautifully in their zone blocking scheme. To me, it was either, you know, Slater or AVT that would fit that second level blocker space mover, the best in this class. And so I'm obviously thrilled with Slater. And if you take into account, you know, the growth that he, he probably had in the weight room and working with Duke Manyweather, like he's, I think one of the two or three most pro ready players, the chargers have ever drafted. And I think he's going to have one of those rare seasons where week one, he steps in and it looks like an all pro instantly, kind of like Derwin James.
1: Yeah. You know, I was like prepping myself for, you know, I don't want to say like the worst case scenario. Right. But we've been so spoiled with the first round (laughs) picks on this team. Right. Yeah. You know, we really should have like four or five rookie of the years over the last decade. You Mm -hmm. know, Keenan Allen was robbed and should have, should have gotten that Derwin James was robbed and should have gotten that one. And then you obviously have Joey Bosa um, and Justin Herbert last year. So I, I was like preparing myself for like, okay, like, that's going to be Christian Derrissaw, like lower expectations, you know, he's going to be, have to adjust. Like it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for him, kind of mm-hmm. like Andrew Thomas. That's not a concern anymore. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy for Rashawn Slater. He's yeah. going to come in and, and he's going to be a, a, a very effective um, offensive tackle from day one. Somebody else kind of made this comparison. He's going to have, you know, a similar effect to Tristan worse. Um, mm-hmm. that worse. And, and you could throw Jedrick Wills in there as well. Um, and he, he fits so, so well on this team. And like we said on the stream, you know, it's going to give them options. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, the theme of the draft is that the Chargers will have options and flexibility for the foreseeable future. You know, like next year, if they're staring down at a high level left tackle prospect, they can take him and, and Slater can play on the right side.
4: Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I'm so happy with this pick and i never really thought it was a possibility so the fact that he is on the roster i uh, couldn't be happier with that uh, with that outcome so in the second round very similar circumstances mm-hmm. you know the shout out to all those teams that took all those edge rushers in the first round cuz that pushed a bunch of secondary talent down the board and that included Asante Samuel Jr and we talked about him like back in march very similarly to Rashawn Slater we're like we don't think he's going to be on the board we'd be surprised if he were on the board Um, But they get him, they get their corner, going to fit in beautifully with uh, Michael Davis and Chris Harris. So, Tyler, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, You know, three days later, what are your thoughts about Asante Samuel Jr. being a Charger?
2: For some reason, like, I kind of thought Slater was going to be there. I just never thought they would take them. I didn't think Samuel Jr. was going to be there, like, at all. You know, by this point, like, we were sitting there. We knew the Chargers would take him if he were there. And then they did. And I'm so excited for this pick. He's a great man corner with great instincts. I I think he should be allowed to play off a little bit and just kind of react to routes and create turnovers. Sometimes he's going to lose. Like sometimes he's just going to be a little bit undersized. And that's okay because he's also, you know, he's going to aggressively try to jump those routes. And I'll take an interception over, you know, being beaten a couple of times a game. Um, Like, you know, I think off the top of my head, Defensive Rookie of the Year goes to, you know, guys closer to the line of scrimmage you know, like a edge rusher, maybe a linebacker like Darius Leonard, but considering his name his high profile, this defense being connected to Derwin James. Like, I think he's a sneaky candidate overall with the Slater and the Samuel junior pick. I hinted at this, you know, in the last time we talked it, if you can play football, you can play football. And, you know, one of the things that, that Brandon Staley said in his opening presser was, you know, history is important to us. I'm not really saying that like where I'm going is, is about history, but historically the chargers, you know, say they have shown that it's okay to take guys who are really good at football, but kind of awkward like Phillip rivers. And I'm not saying that these guys are like Phillip rivers, but I love that, you know, the chargers did not make that mistake then. And they took a guy who, yeah, he's an awkward throwing motion, but he's a great football player. And they're doing the same thing here today with Staley, who appreciates history and is now taking these guys who, yeah, they're a little bit shorter. Yeah. Maybe they can't do this, but they can do with these other things really, really well. And so um, I'm I'm really excited for these two picks. I can't wait to get into the rest of the picks, but um, <laughs> A plus for sure.
3: Yeah, I, I gave this pick an A. Uh, I think it's just a really solid pick. I didn't think he was going to be there uh, for sure, and I actually didn't watch day two of the draft live, so I was looking at it on my phone. And uh, the two names that ESPN had suggested there is like best pick Asante Samuel or uh, Wosu Karamoa, who is also still on the board. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I think Tom Telesco might take Wosu Karamoa yeah. because of the because of the Notre Dame thing, totally. <laughs> uh, and he ends up taking Asante Samuel, which I had no problem with. Uh, I think Cleveland did get a steal of the draft with uh, Wosu Karamoa. Mm-hmm. They also got my two Tonys, who I love, uh, but I. I uh... <sighs> anthony schwartz and tony fields but um sure but yeah no i the asante samuel pick was great um and just the fact that casey hayward you know goes out the door and they get a replacement yeah. so mm-hmm. quickly and you mm-hmm. know they didn't have to be like well let's take a guy in like the fourth or fifth round you know the fact that they got their guy right then and there i, I think was just really impressive um I know he's undersized which is kind of what caused him to fall a little bit um but I also don't have that many concerns with him like again he was playing against players that were bigger than him uh, on tape so it's yeah. like you know he he was able to handle that well And uh, I think he'll do well in the league yeah man I'm really
1: excited about Asante Samuel Jr and I I'm glad you mentioned Casey Hayward because they're honestly they're very similar players very instinctive very sound tacklers. I think Asante Samuel Jr. is a little bit of a better athlete. But, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that this Chargers defense has been missing for the last few years is is ball production. You know, Casey Hayward had that awesome first year with the Chargers. But then a- in 2018, they created a lot of turnovers. But in 2019 and 2020, it was not nearly good enough. And so adding someone like Asante Samuel Jr. that has, you know, proven track record of creating turnovers, be it forced fumbles, or interceptions, you know, I'm really excited about that aspect as well. So let's get to the third pick, which I think some people were were very surprised. I was very surprised. Um, but I really, really, really like the player, and that is Josh Palmer, the receiver out of Tennessee. Um, we, got, we kind of alluded to this. You know, I think a lot of people kind of look at the receiver room for the Chargers and see kind of like a log jam, but I, I think adding Josh Palmer, again, gives them flexibility towards the future. And, you know, you can take Josh Palmer, you can put him on the outside, you can put him on the inside. I think he is versatile enough to do both. Um, he'll he'll probably be mostly an outside player for them. Um, and if they lose Mike Williams, then they have, you know, Palmer right there, it's ready to uh, go forward. And so they also have Jalen Guyon and Tyron Johnson who are free agents. So the three of them, I can't imagine that they're able to bring back all three. And so Josh Palmer is going to be able to be effective Um, And he's in a really good situation. So I know a lot of people were concerned about, you know, the lack of production or the lack of, shall we say, hype leading into the draft. But I really, really like the player. You know, you turn on the games against Alabama and Georgia, and those were his best games against the best competition really in the SEC. So um, I really like Josh Palmer, the player. I was very surprised that they took him, but you know, then you listen to Brandon Staley talk about him and, you know, you really understand why. So, Um, Alex, what are your thoughts now looking back on the Josh Palmer pick?
3: Uh, I like the Josh Palmer pick at the time, and I still like it now. Uh, I think that even though some people might think it's a reach, maybe you could have got him at 97. Maybe you could have taken De'Ami Brown. But I think for what the purposes of this team means, there was no uh, receiver at that position that really fit what the Chargers need better. Uh, And, you know, you talk about the games he's had against Patrick Sertan. Uh, all these other guys. Uh, I thought that taking a receiver in the third or fourth round was kind of the way to go. Uh, I had no problem with them doing it, even though it was a little bit early. Um, But yeah, I think he's going to be an instant contributor. And, you know, the fact that, you know, a lot of people say he's like, you know, replacement for Mike Williams, which I think he can be, but I think he's also a much better route runner instead of just being like the 50, 50 deep ball guy uh, or like the guy who catches a ball and, you know, runs, but I think he, he uh, yeah, I, I just think he's a lot more versatile than a Mike Williams is. So, I you know, that's kind of what pops up on tape for him. Uh, and I, I think they're going to really use him well. Yeah, I don't know how much Mike Williams lined up, but, you
2: know, Palmer lined up 15% or 20% of the time in the slot. So he, I think mm-hmm. he does have that more like inside outside than yeah than Mike Williams. I just love that Staley, like listening to him on these phone calls, and it really means yeah. like these phone calls really mean something to, to fans, to the, like the players, to the coaches. Like you can get so much about like what Staley has in mind for these guys. And I love that he watched, he probably, probably watched the corners first, you know, Sertan, Horn, whatever, you know, and then he said, you know, who the hell, who's this guy beating up Georgia, <laughs> beating up yeah. South Carolina and Alabama, like, you know, and that, but that's kind of how, I grade because we probably grade because we don't have all the time to watch, you know, 15, 16 games or whatever. Yeah. You know, let's who are you against your best competition? I don't have time for 10 games. You know, and, and statistically, Palmer was really solid against the best, and that means a lot. So, like you said, yeah, I do think he's a better route runner than Mike Williams. And you know, the, the concern with the draft overall was that there were tons of slot guys, but not a lot of outside guys. I mean, really after like round one, it was like Des Fitzpatrick, Josh Palmer. I don't know, Terrace Marshall, like there weren't a whole lot of right. guys, plenty of slot guys. So even if you kind of consider it a reach, there weren't a whole lot of outside guys. And, you know, for a guy to go out and dominate at the senior bowl, I think it's a really, the senior bowl played a lot of, uh held a lot of weight for Tom Tulesko this draft. So yeah. um, I think it's a great pick. And it's a pick that I think will only, you know, get better as we watch him and grow over the years.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people will, will you know, remain hung up on the fact that if they, took a receiver a lot of people wanted Deami Brown and and Mm -hmm. I I really like Deami Brown a lot as well so I understand like that when you look at it that way um but you know getting to Brandon Staley one of my favorite things is like when he's on those phone calls he just he looks like a proud dad like he's so so happy to be like on the phone with these players and, and telling them that they're about to be drafted so um I just thought that was that was funny so Um, I'm really happy with Josh Palmer. I'm also really happy with the next pick, but I know uh, everyone else is not. So uh, let's talk about Troy McKinney. Alex, I'll let you start here because I'm very excited about this pick, but I know you are not. So you go ahead, you take the four first on this one.
3: So when we talk about the player, if you're just strictly talking about that, like I don't think it's the worst pick in the world. Um, Like, Look, he's a good walker. Um, I think in, in kind of a limited fashion, it's like, all right, maybe he can run some routes. Like it's not the worst pick in the world, but I just don't see him as a third round talent. Um, I, I think he was kind of a if you get him in the fourth or fifth round, like I don't have a huge problem with that, I guess. But to me, the guys that were on the board, you had a Faye Tumelafonwu, um, you had Ellerson Smith, who then goes two picks before the Chargers are up in round four. Um, And you also have someone like uh, Baron Browning. Like, I just thought there were better picks uh, at that position at 97. And I don't know. He's a good blocking tight end. I think you could have gone for one later. I mean, Luke Farrell goes, I think, at the top of round five. Um, You know, not where I would have taken them. I think that's a little high for Luke Farrell. But Urban Meyer wants his football guys. (laughs) <laughs> um so you know that's that's it he wants
1: his football guys and he wants guys that he recruited
3: himself when he was a college coach <laughs> yeah. yeah um so i don't know look i i think trey mckitty is a good blocker i think he'll contribute for the team but at that position i just think he's kind of a bit of a limited athlete i know his fsu tape is okay at georgia i just thought he was kind of very stiff like i i did not think that he popped on tape that much and like I know that Stephen was trying to be like, well, if you wanted Tommy Tremble, then Trey McKinney is still Tommy Tremble. But like, I looked at your big board, Stephen, and you had Tommy Tremble at 64 and Trey McKinney was not in your top 100. So if you want to say that there wasn't a difference there, I think there was a difference there in terms of the type of athlete and the type of player you're getting. So I don't know. For a top 100 pick, I just thought Trey McKinney was a bit rich. I'm sure he'll be an okay blocker uh, and and I have no problem with him on the team, but I, I just I think 97 was a bit too high for me. Yeah, so you know the
1: Tommy Tremble thing, I said basically I didn't say they were the, the
3: exact same. But
1: you know, well they're I more gave... than
3: 36 spots different. <laughs>
1: yeah, listen, I, I really like Tommy Tremble and and I think he is a much better blocker than Trey McKitty is, but Trey McKitty is very serviceable um as a blocker. But I, I look at you know, route running, I gave Tommy Tremble a 6.5, I gave Trey McKitty a 6.25. Uh, yards after catchability, I gave McKitty a 6.75 and I gave Tommy Tremble a 6.25 blocking Tommy Tremble. I gave a seven Trey McKitty. I gave a 6.25. So they're very similar in certain positions. The one thing that I will say about Trey McKitty, he did have a few too many drops for my liking. And, you know, when you're getting limited targets, like he was at Georgia, that's kind of an issue. So that is my biggest difference between those two is that Tommy Tremble has incredible hands, Trey McKitty. I mean, when you only get like 20 targets and you drop three or four of them, your drop percentage is very high. But if you get more targets, I think that would even add a little bit more. So that is my one hangup about Trey McKitty. But I mean, Tommy Tremble wasn't on the board. And so if the people who wanted Tommy Tremble were okay with taking him at 77, I don't really see a whole lot of difference between taking Tommy Tremble at 90 or taking Trey McKitty rather at 97. Their physical profiles are very similar. They ran similar 40 times. They ran, uh, Tommy Tremble didn't do the three cone and stuff like that. But Trey McKitty's three cones were very, very, very good. And Trey McKitty bigger. He's an inch taller and he's about five or six, seven pounds heavier. So I understand I was surprised at the pick as well, but I do really like the player and I think he's going to be a very good player for the Chargers. He's going to come in. He's going to be the day one blocking tight end. So he's going to you know play 30, 40 snaps a game. And, you know, we talked about special teams quite a bit. We're going to talk about it some more often. Steven Anderson was literally the cause of a block field goal and a block punt that resulted in touchdowns for the Patriots. So that's going to be an upgrade as well because McKitty is going to be that third tight end and the core special teamers. So I understand the value of it. I would have loved Ellerson Smith in that spot. I would have loved Quinn Miners in that spot. But I think Troy McKitty is going to return fine value for this team. So Tyler um you're you're kind of the you know the mediator between alex and i at times so uh where are you leaning and, and with the treatment kitty pick at this point
2: well i'm starting to warm up to this pick steven and the first thing i want to get out of the way is we didn't know like so everyone's like uh jamar johnson right now but we didn't know about he had an arrest like i mean not that we didn't know that like that was public we just i didn't know that like it yeah, things that we just that, yeah. yeah there are certain things that we didn't figure out until later on so you know, wanting certain prospects there. And I don't know, I don't know why half the fan base didn't seem to know about Trey Smith's blood clots. And everyone's like, why yeah. aren't you taking him? Why aren't you taking him? It's like, um, yeah. there's a significant issue. So um after the draft, like seeing you know, all these issues come out or, or starting to figure out more about why these guys fell, it's like, it kind of starts to make sense. I'm not as irritated. Would I want a defensive player there? Probably, but like, there's some things that we were piecing together that I didn't know at the time. So Utah, Talk about most of this so far, but so you go on Twitter and say, "Oh, I think you know Tommy Tremble is basically Trey McKitty." And I'm like, "That's really fucking stupid." Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but then I'm like, "You know, steven's not fucking stupid." Like, I know, like, there's something here, I'm sure. So I had to look into it, and the more I thought about it, it's like I kind of get it. So the difference between Tommy Tremble, the blocker, and Trey McKitty, the blocker, it's actually really close on Pro Football Focus. I like, I know people are like, "You mean please." I think their trait specific grades and they're obviously their analytics, like that stuff is good. Like they're only like seven points apart in, ter- in terms of that. Nearly identical pass blocking grades. They, they didn't give up a-, a pressure this season. So it's pretty similar there. But then people want to talk about Tommy Trumbull as being like, like some people took Trumbull over Jordan because they're like, oh, Trumbull's a really like, um, not deep cut was what I'm looking for, like sneaky pass catcher kind of guy. But, you know, Tommy Trumbull had 19 catches for 218 yards last year. And at Florida State, Trey McKitty had 23 for 241. So it actually, they kind of do match up as a similar player. Um, so again, like, sure, I would want a defensive player there. Um, but I actually think looking at the draft now and how it, how it all shook out and, and like the confidence that they've shown in Gilman and, and Adderley, like, I think McKinney will actually log more snaps than a defensive player they could have taken at that point. So I actually think that there's kind of more value there. You talk, you talk, can, I'll let you talk about, you know, the whole Shanahan system, um, tight end and, and sort of thing, but... The other thing that was interesting is Staley didn't come out and say, "Yeah, he's our blocking tight end." Like he came out and said that we want tight ends and we took McKitty because we want to create mismatches and help push things vertically. You know, and and the Chargers in my opinion were at their peak offense in Jacksonville when they were facing um not facing Jacksonville when Virgil Green was on the field and and if McKitty can reprise that role and take on that many snaps and be a significant contributor right away, um I I don't think it was a bad pick. Like 97 you know, the more I the more I look at it, the more I read into it, the more it makes sense. Again, probably still wanted a defensive player. This is not right. my favorite pick of the draft for sure, but I totally get it. I think he will take he will log significant snaps and um yeah, there's there's a lot of value to this pick for sure, but maybe it'll totally bust, I don't know.
3: Yeah, so there's like <laughs> a lot of value, but uh Virtual Green was drafted in the 7th round, uh not the 3rd round when he was originally drafted. So, I'm just saying if you want someone to fill that block role you could get them later in the draft and, and that mm. that's just my case um, with the pick and you know look I know that you know other things came out about other prospects I didn't read a report about you know Quinn Miners robbing someone on the street um so you know until I see that I would have about the pick well that's, <laughs> that's true he's um, white from uh, Canada everybody <laughs>
1: assumed that he was just really nice
3: yeah um so look I mean <sighs> I, I, I don't hate the pick um well that's a lie i would give it a d but um but i he can contribute i have no problem with that but it's just like i i just am not, not seeing the the athlete that you guys are seeing on tape i i think he'll play a good role blocking but i don't know i i can't get on the board with him at 97. Yeah, to be clear I, I i'm not
1: saying that like this was an awesome pick like i love this pick i was very surprised and you know going back you know i probably would have you know, taking Ellerson Smith at ninety at 97 and taking Trey McKitty at 118, like especially because I'm not the biggest fan of the next pick. But in terms of the the Kyle Shanahan offense, like the blocking tight end is extremely valuable. And I know that, you know, George Kittle was a fifth round pick and Ross Dwelley was a seventh round pick and Virgil Green was a seventh round pick. But if, if they loved a player and felt like he wasn't just going to be a blocker, which I do think is the case, then it makes sense to take him there. I, again, I don't know the value either, but I, I can see why they wanted to take Trey McKitty there because they're they're going to need a blocking tight end. They don't have one on the roster. Jared Cook literally does not block at all. Uh, Steven Anderson is a lousy blocker, and I think Donald Parham can develop into a good blocker because he's 6'8", and he's massive, but he's not there yet, and Trey McKitty is. So I, I understand like what he's going to do, and he's going to play a lot. Uh, at least as a blocker, but but yes, I agree the value of, of it was was not great. So I'm not giving it a D, but uh, I understand the, the gripe about the value. So
0: we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. The next pick um,
1: seems like a great kid. Seems like a a coach's son. Just say what you want to say. (laughs) Just say what you want to say. Oh, (laughs) no. To me, this is the worst pick of the Chargers draft. (laughs) I I know a lot of people are like, you know, he's he's really fast and he's got a great get-off. And I would, you know, ask anyone who loves this pick to turn on their game against Miami from this season. (laughs) And – I know like people are saying like, Oh, you're not going to use him as a run defender. Listen, the odds are that he's going to start a handful of games this year for the chargers. It's just, it's just the reality of the situation of having a Chenna and Wosu and Joey Bosa who have both not shown the ability to stay healthy for a full season. Unfortunately, love the players think they're very, very good players. Obviously Joey Bosa is one of the best edge rushers in the league, but they have not shown the ability to stay healthy. So Uh, Chris Rumpf is going to start some games for the Chargers this year and that dude was getting mauled by Brevin Jordan and Brevin Jordan is like a good blocker but he's not a great blocker and so I can see a little bit of the pass rush I can see some of the twitch as a pass rusher but this dude needs to to me this is a long-term developmental guy like in a perfect world I'm not adding him as my third pass rusher to play some games and start some games and so again, like this is kind of where the Trey McKinney comes back to bite them. I think is that if you take an Ellerson Smith, he can start some games and I'd be very, very okay with him starting games. So Chris Ruff to me is the worst pick of the chargers draft, but I will say he landed in the perfect spot. Jay Rogers, Giff Smith. I know Alex Mm -hmm. is, is, is kind of taking a wait and see approach, but those coaches have shown a great track record of developing edge rushers and then you add in Brandon Staley, who has another, has, also has a great track record of developing edge rushers. So this is a great spot for Chris Rumpf. We'll see. I'm sure this is going to come back and bite me in the ass, but uh, not a huge fan of this pick.
3: I'm not a huge fan of it either. Uh, I give it a C minus, but um, he, look. I I do see what people are saying in terms of his pass rush technique, but like as to the, you know, he can't, you know, he won't have to defend the run. It's like, yes, he will. He plays the edge. (laughs) He has to to play the fucking run. And the Chargers have a bunch of guys who, aside from Joey Bosa, aren't great against the run. Like the whole reason Jerry Tillery can't be edge is because he sucks against the run. Like, I hate to break it to you, but Devontae Booker put that in hand in a blender. Um, yeah. So, I, I I don't know. Look, it, it's not a bad developmental pick, but again, right. it's one of those things where if you took Ellerson Smith, the pick prior, and then you took, you know, I don't know, Chris Rumpf later down the draft as, as a developmental guy, I wouldn't have hated it, but I, I don't know if he was really like a fourth-round talent. That just feels very... Early to me. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I, I do see his pass rush technique. I do think there's something there. And, look, he is going to bulk up at the NFL level because it's an NFL-level, you know, training facility. And for some reason, people don't think yeah. Devonta Smith and Tutu Atwell can eat, I guess. Um, <laughs> but they, It's not you know, Duke football, man. Right, yeah. They can all eat. It's an NFL facility. And they'll, you know, he'll gain weight. But um, I don't know. What I saw on tape, I, I just – I feel like he's maybe two years away from like really being a serious um, NFL player. And for, you know, what the chargers needed at edge in this draft, I think they needed someone who can be a more right now, rotational contributor. Right. And I think they got a guy who will be that, but I don't know if he's ready to.
2: So it's tough, especially cause I don't really, I didn't watch college football much this past season. It's tough to grade players earlier in the process because you don't know every name. So Rumpf had the unfortunate, you know, circumstance in terms of my grading to be like the last guy that I graded. So I know who Aaron Banks, Robert Hansey, Christian Derrissot, and all these guys are. Um, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but I'll start with a positive, okay? So uh, he didn't test well with his RAS score, but that was mostly due to like his size. So his explosion and agility, like they're okay. His three cone drills is his best. I think some of his work, his best work comes when they, he line them. They line him up outside. loops back in on obvious passing situations. So, like I do, I do see that there's a guy that you can scheme open. And frankly, the Chargers have a lot of defensive talent. I think they can make it work. The question is whether he can do it on his own. Right. So now, you know, going back to like knowing who these players are, the stats show you know a number of pressures versus Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. And I think like in I forget which set of schools or whatever, but he had like the number one pass rush win rate of you know x amount of players in x amount of schools, but. You know, you watch those games like Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. He's not doing it against Liam Eichenberg and Christian Derrissaw. In fact, like he's, yeah. he's normally lined up against the right tackle while some other guy, 86, you know, lines up against the left tackle. So, you know, first of all, having a 96 and an 86 is a super pain in the ass when trying to watch film. But anyway, um, so you know, tight. like you say, flip on the flip on the Miami game. It shows you like a defender who, who can't hold his own against the run. You got pancaked like twice. He was manheld to the point where he was falling over like five times in that game. You know, it's kind of funny that Brevin Jordan became a not like a worse blocker according to the Chargers Twitter because the Chargers took McKitty. So some, for some reason, like he got like worse as a blocker, and yeah. because they took McKitty, he's like, oh yeah, McKitty's the better. Like, I'm like come on, like Brevin Jordan was a good.
4: Blocker, come on. Yeah.
2: Um, so the bottom line, I think the Chargers have a better like run defending edge and fackerel or Rumpf will be kind of his like lineup in different places and pass rush kind of guy. Um, so I think the Chargers got their guy. They wanted him for a specific reason, you know, a guy that fits what they want, but I, like, I don't think they took a great player. And like yeah, you said, it's probably going to bite us in the ass. Eventually um, I can totally see him working because like, this is the team. Like if he was going to go to a team to be a good you know, edge defender, like this was the one, I think it totally works for them. Um, so hopefully his upside can be maximized by this, by the scheme and the coaching, but otherwise like watching him, like I heard so many good things about this guy. And then you turn on Miami and then I like <laughs> five <laughs> seconds before you messaged me, I was like, this is awful. Like, this yeah. is terrible. And then great. we both posted at the same time. Like he's getting killed out here. Yeah. Um. So like, there's definitely upside, but um, like I would turn on the tape for this one for sure, because the stats versus tape, I think are a little like, different in, in this case so i wouldn't i don't know if this is the worst pick of the draft but it's certainly not one of my favorites so i didn't grade him leading up to the draft
1: and mm-hmm. you know him and mark Webb were the only two players of the chargers drafted that i didn't grade so uh, i'll take that but you know I, I remember like after i was like why didn't i grade him and then <laughs> i went back and looked at my notes of brevin jordan and mm. i specifically mentioned like brevin jordan <laughs> oh, blocking yeah. against duke and oh. so I was like, I probably like watched Revan Jordan destroy this guy, and was like, oh, this guy's gonna be a, a draft prospect. I'm not even gonna bother because, I, like, I understand a lot of people are saying like, oh, he's he's gonna be the situational pass rusher. It's like, but he has to play the run, and in college <laughs> you have to play the run. And so like, it it does matter. And you know, I, I am rooting for the guy obviously to to beat my expectations, um, but I I don't know. I think this is like Alex said. I was hoping that they would be able to draft, you know, a guy that I would be comfortable with, you know, at least starting a handful of games this year. Um, and I, I don't see that. I, like honestly, I wanted them to get an upgrade over Kyler Fackerel for this year. And yeah. I don't think that Chris Rumpf is an upgrade for Kyler Fackerel this year. And that kind of is is why I'm not the biggest fan of it. Yeah. Um, Alex, any final thoughts on Chris Rumpf before we uh move on to the next one?
3: um yeah i mean basically what you guys were saying i don't think it's a terrible pick not as bad as one that comes later um but <laughs> oh, i do think that it's 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 an all right pick for what it is to me this is just a byproduct of they should have probably gone in the third round and then yeah. that would have kind of solved a lot of the problems there um or if you want to wait for you know a guy that's it, you know, it, it just felt reachy as a whole. Like I can't imagine Rumpf would have really gone before the fifth or sixth round. Like this just kind of felt like here's a guy Tom Falesco likes, or here's a guy the brand Staley likes, and they're going to take him regardless of value, which to be fair is what day three is. Um, I, I just felt that they probably should have went in a different direction. Yeah. So we'll see. Like, I just have this like weird feeling that this is going to be
1: like the one that bites us in the ass. So We'll see. But right now I, I, I have a hard time seeing the vision. And so like, we'll get to Alex's least favorite pick, but I, I can at least see like the vision of that pick and you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that one pans out. But um, the next one, the chargers in the fifth round get one of my favorite players in the class, you know, in general, in terms of day three picks, I think this is one of the best picks that any team made. And that is Brennan Hymas, the offensive lineman out of Nebraska. Huge fan of this pick. It gets the Brandon Thorne and Duke Mannyweather's stamp of approval. So those guys really know their stuff um, about offensive line. And so 40 consecutive starts for the university of Nebraska. I know Nebraska is not like uh, what it used to be, but that's a huge deal, especially when, you know, in a year where there's so much uncertainty, people have 40, 40 pieces of evidence to go look at Brendan Hymas and see how he's developed. And I think, again, talking about flexibility, He's going to be able to play guard, be able to play tackle. And so now the Chargers just have a ton of options. Like last year, you know, Brian Belaga gets down and it's like, okay, you have to play Trey Pipkins. You have, you do not have another choice. You know, now you can put, you know, if Brian Belaga misses a couple of games, you can put Matt Filer at right tackle and put Brendan Hymas at left guard, or you can put, you know, Brendan Hymas at right tackle, or you can put Trey Pipkins if you want. Um, So I'm a huge, huge fan of this pick. Uh, I graded him as an offensive tackle. He was number 15 on my board as an offensive tackle um, right behind uh, James Hudson and Walker Little. So big, big fan of this pick. Getting him in the fifth round, um, it, it, I think, is a wonderful, wonderful va- value selection for the Chargers.
2: Tyler, your thoughts. Oh, OK. I thought I'd like going after Alex. Oh, okay. um, listen, I... I don't know how you guys feel about this, but one of the concerns I had for Slater was I really hope he gets like a full shot this year at tackle. Like I hope it's not like, like Dan Feeney was yanked around like, you know, center guard, not that there's like a huge difference, but you know, he was kind of yanked around there, you know, Trey Pipkins in and out, in and out, you know, different sides or whatever. And so I hope Slater gets his full shot and taking a guy like Hymas, it's Hymas, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. God, I'm going to mess this up. Uh, Taking a guy like him, That like you can plug him wherever like the hole ends up instead of making Slater like kick to the inside or go to right tackle, like let him stay out of left tackle um and and make it work there. I love the fact that like you said, he has 40 consecutive starts. um, and the fact that like he wasn't injured. I think generally this class overall, outside of McKitty's like 2020 knee issue, and I think Neiman had a thing back in 2018, but it was a pretty clean class as far as injuries go. And I think that's really, really important too. Um, so like you said, anyone who knows anything about offensive linemen thinks this guy's a legit steal. Um, So I'm going off their word. I have not watched him. He's the only one I haven't watched yet. Um, But I actually think I agree with you. If, if it shakes out like it should, and like, it sounds like it is, I think this is the best pick of day three, uh, kind of by a lot. Alex, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, um, I I think it's fine. I still have to pronounce his last name correctly, too, because I've been saying Brendan James for the last day. Um, But. Um, I, you know, he is, I mean, obviously all big 10, 40 consecutive starts, like, you know, and also, you know, Wisconsin is is famous, or, or sorry, uh, Nebraska is famous for, you know, pretty good offensive lines, uh, rushing attacks as well. So I think, um you know, this is a solid pick. Uh, and it builds depth on the offensive line. Like I kind of thought Slater was gonna be the last <laughs> offensive lineman they took. That, <laughs> that's too. sort of the that sort of vibe it felt. And so I thought that they should have taken another guard or tackle later. Um I'm kind of impressed that they did. Uh good job Tom Telesco. Uh this is one of the the one day two <laughs> day three pick I like. Um and I, I I like him uh and you know was really good at the senior bowl. Uh, from from all the clips that you see so I think this is a you know quality depth guy potential future starter and I think that's kind of what day three you know after you kind of fix your offensive line that's kind of what day three is all about
1: it is and I'm not gonna lie I thought that once they passed you know once they took Trey McKinney I was like okay there's the, the second blocker that they're taking and the yeah. only <laughs> second blocker so um, but he certainly fits you know like Brandon Staley wanted to you know he's been saying they wanted to get bigger and, mm. you know, Brendan Hymas is 6'5. He, he's a little on the light side, but I think obviously like, you know, we were saying earlier, he can bulk up, um, you know, he's got a very explosive uh, RAS score as well. Vertical jump of 30 inches, broad jump of nine and four inches, um, a 4.51 shuttle and a 7.53 cone, both of which are, are, you know, graded as elite. He didn't run a 40 time uh, at his pro day. I, I think he had like a hamstring strain or something like that. So Um, Don't know what that one was, but very, you know, Mm. explosive athlete. And I think he'll be able to add a lot of versatility and frankly, stability. Like the chargers didn't need to hit like home runs in terms of offensive alignment in this class. Obviously I think Rashawn Slater is that, but Slater and Hymas are two very safe, technically sound players. And that's really what the chargers needed. They couldn't really afford to take on some long-term developmental projects because I already have Trey Pipkins in that regard. Um, so they've got these two players who are very safe, will contribute. I think that, you know, we were talking about players who could challenge Ode Ibushi and, like, legitimately challenge him. I do think Himes could do that. And so I expect Ode to win the job because, obviously, he's got more experience. He's a veteran player. Um, but it, if Himes has to start four, five, six games this year, I feel very comfortable with him doing that.
2: That's good to hear. One thing I just want to add real fast when i saw that you had graded 50 you know a total interior (laughs) offensive linemen and tackles and the chargers had taken one and the rams took zero i'm like oh my god steven graded 50 dudes and the two teams that he kind of talks about there's only one one player so (laughs) i I was so happy that they took a second one that you knew about so i just want to throw that out there i'm so happy two out of 50 not bad
1: i know the freaking rams and they needed an offensive line like (laughs) that. And yeah, uh, shout out to them and the Packers for fucking it up and letting the, the freaking Chiefs get <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying not to cuss as much. Um, but they allowed the freaking Chiefs to get Creed Humphrey, which I'm still pissed about. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so this is the one pick that we got right on our mock draft. Um, so shout out to Tyler for actually making that selection. Um, and that's Iowa linebacker Nick Neiman. So I, I think one of the themes of this draft for Tom Telesco, you know, he wanted you know, proven, experienced players who had a track record of production. And, and that's obviously what Neiman uh, brings to the table. Linebacker from Iowa and, you know, <laughs> the RAS scores for Neiman are absurd, man. So if he has to play eventually, I think they could, you know, potentially develop him into something. Um, but he's got special teams ace written all over him, which uh, the Chargers obviously needed. So Tyler, uh, this was your your pick. He was my. I pegged him as my sleeper linebacker. So, uh, what are your
2: thoughts about Nick Neiman here? I'll be honest. When we did that mock draft, I wasn't taking this super seriously. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I did, like there was reasoning for it, but I was like, eh, you know, Neiman. Like it's <laughs> just kind of funny here, and it worked. It did. Uh, man, I was so close to taking Samuel Jr. here. I would have nailed this draft. Um, <laughs> like I'll, we talked about him already, but I, I had no idea who this guy was prior to you mentioning in the chat before we recorded our linebackers episode. So I did a Google search, and you get this corn-fed-looking dude, and I'm like, okay, he's one of those guys. You know, works hard, you know, first guy in and out. Wait, he ran a four-four-five forty? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? He's the 21st best res score of the past, it's like, 25 years. And you flip on the tape, and it's like, wait, what? This dude has range. You can kind of cover. But what I love about, as I did, you know, a little PFF kind of search before the show, what I love about this and his special teams potential, and the it, same thing with, with Mark Webb, Nick Neiman has the second lowest missed tackle rate of all starting linebackers from Power Five schools. That exactly. is going to be incredible on special teams, without a doubt. Um, Webb also has you know, one of the lowest missed tackle rates in the country for his position. You know, like like for reference, Jamar Johnson's missed tackle rate was 26.5. Neiman's is 3.9 and Webb's is five five. So putting those two guys on your special teams as your gunners or whatever they, you know, whatever they do with them probably has to be gunners. Um, like I think that's that's really great. What a great way to improve your special team. So like I think sixth round was pretty much where people had him projected. Like he was like a two hundred, like early two hundreds kind of pick, and they got him at one ninety eight or whatever it was. Like I think it was a good spot, and I'm I'm happy with the pick, honestly.
3: Yeah. Um. So when I first heard the pick, I was kind of initially lower on it. Um. I think I gave it like a C minus. I'm kind of mm-hmm. feeling B minus now. It was alright. Okay. Um. Right. I, I didn't hate it. I think the special teams contribution stuff is legit with him. Yeah. Um. And I think they need depth at linebacker because obviously Kaiser White injury uh, Tranquil are coming off of, uh, well, Kensie White right, had COVID and other injuries last year. You know, Tranquil is coming off of the season ending injury in the first game. Yeah. Um, and obviously the season's going to be 17 games. So I think you need depth at linebacker and you know he helps out uh i hope he doesn't have to really play a lot year one but the nature of the chargers is that chris rumpf yeah. and, and nick neiman are probably going to start by week five and jaleel adai will be re-signed because they didn't <laughs> take a safety until round seven and when they did it was a nickel but uh, <laughs> i uh I, look i think the pick is fine um though I'm not going to act like I wasn't disappointed when it's pick 185, and I'm like, all right, they're going to go safety. Here comes Hamza nasr Dean, and then the Jets take him with the very next pick after they pass on Neiman. Um, And that's one of the other day three takeaways. Like, I I get that they took Mark Webb, but, I mean, we could kind of get into this now, I guess, with the safety stuff, but... I just feel like they're relying on too many things to go right. Like I get that they're showing confidence in Adderley and I have confidence in Adderley too, relative to you guys, but you know, relative, you know, expecting him to improve, expecting Derwin to stay healthy and expecting Gilman to be playable. Like those are three things that I think are kind of tough to really like expect, even though you want them to happen. So I kind of wanted them to take a safety earlier, but again, in Neiman relative to where he was drafted in terms of value, I don't mind it. Yeah, in terms of
1: like winners and losers, which we're going to talk about, I think Elohi Gilman, like I know everybody was saying like, oh, they're not taking a safety because they really like Nas. Like to me, they didn't take a safety because they like Alohi Gilman. And I don't know how much that should be a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'm obviously not in the room with them. So we'll talk about that in a second. But it, it is it was very surprising. Like to me, the biggest surprises of the Chargers draft were first that they didn't take a Notre Dame player. And second, that they waited until the seventh round to draft a safety. And so um, I do like the Nick Neiman pick, but the way that the safety board is playing out, and they could have taken a safety at any point in the class. And I know, you know, we've kind of had this talk of, like, really how how important is it to have a third safety? To me, I think it's very important. Um, Someone kind of mentioned the idea of maybe Kaiser White playing some safety for them, uh, which I think is a very interesting idea, if he's able to stay healthy, first and foremost. Um, but yeah, Nick Neiman, I think is going to be a fine special teams pick. Um, the next one, Larry Roundtree was another surprise, the running back out of Missouri. I did pick him as my sleeper running back. So I like him as a running back a little bit more. Um, but given the players who were on the board, I was, I was definitely surprised. Um, and then he went out and said in his press conference that he takes special teams personally. And I was like, okay, I, I get why they took him then. Because, you know, they're looking at Joshua Kelly, who was awful on special teams and going, okay, maybe we can get round tree to challenge him or challenge Justin Jackson and if not then we have a really good special teams player and so i know alex is going to kind of shit on this pick but i i kind of get it again I, i'm surprised and i wouldn't have taken him there but at, at least i can like see the vision of him on the active roster contributing on special teams maybe challenging justin jackson or joshua kelly so i kind of get it again I don't love this pick. I'm not saying it's a great pick, but I kind of get it. Alex, go ahead.
3: This pick fucking sucks, um, <laughs> and I'm just gonna be brutally honest with you. Like, just resign Kalen Balaj if this was going oh, to be the running back pick. All right, oh, he's gosh. Kalen Balaj. He is a 2.8 RAS score. Like, look, I get special teams value, but like, I don't think that you fix special teams. By overdrafting special teams players like you were saying, well, Alohi Gilman wasn't good on special teams last year. Guess what? They reached for Alohi Gilman last year. We know that. And now he's expected to be the number three safety on the roster. But uh, aside from that, it's just like, I don't think he was the most talented running back on the board. And like, from a special team standpoint, sure. But like, you're asking him to compete with Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson. I don't think he can do that. <laughs> like, um, I, I have questions about his athleticism. I get the need for like a goal line back, but also, I think the NFL has gone to a point where it's like, it's kind of archaic to be like, hey, we need like this six one guy. It's like that was what Caitlin Bilal did last year. And he had one good game and then all the others sucked. <laughs> like, so I don't know, man. Like this pick, you know, aside from the fact that Khalil Herbert was taken nine picks later, which I strongly object to. Um, i don't know I, I i get what people are saying and i do think there is something to special teams value but i think that this guy would have been available on drafted free agency and again i don't know how the big boards work i don't know how teams have big boards but to me he was like the rb10 of this class and there were a chance to get the rb5 rb6 maybe like so if you wanted to take a running back i just think this was the wrong guy to take like i have to be brutally honest yeah i'm,
2: I'm kind of all over the place with good and bad on this one. I was surprised that his RAS score was as bad as it was because like I yeah. watched him first. And I didn't think it was that hurt. I don't think he was that horrendous. Like it is bad. And I didn't think it was that bad. I'm not saying it's like Brevin Jordan, like what I saw versus what it was, right. but like, I thought it was better. Right. Um, Obviously his biggest thing is yards after contact. And frankly, like the team needed that after Eckler went down and, and then Kelly just retreated into becoming like a shell of himself. Um. The- Okay, so there was a season, I don't know why I I thought of this, there was a season where Danny Woodhead, I think there was a season where he never rushed for negative yards, even with their mediocre line. Like, every attempt was, like, zero or positive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think the Chargers kind of need a guy who can do that consistently, and Roundtree kind of doesn't bring that to the table. Um, He did have the most, or the fourth most, zone rushing attempts among, you know, backs from the Power Five. So that kind of fits what they're going to do. And, of course, you said, you know, special teams, personal protector. Joshua Kelly was awful at that. And I think Joshua Kelly is legitimately in danger of being cut um, because, like his North and like Roundtree's North and South, kind of reminds me of him, and they're like almost identical in they're terms of height and players, weight. Yeah. Like the physical profile is very, very similar. Now, why would you redraft Joshua Kelly? Like I don't know. Like <laughs> but at least you took him in the sixth round, and you know I was second yeah. pick, <laughs> not the fourth round, which was worse. Um, so if Kelly loses a job on special teams, it could get ugly. But like then the counterpoint, like Alex is talking about, yeah, he does create guard, yards after contact like those yards after contact they don't rank all that well and you know who the number one guy was alex Khalil herbert so i do kind of feel like yeah i don't know like i'm not a super like i like like McKitty, but less i get this i just don't think that like this was the guy like if you want to take a running back here i guess that's okay like that's fine to take one at some point but like you just kind of redrafted joshua kelly and that didn't really like work out so far
1: Yeah, no, I I totally get the criticisms and I'm not going to disagree with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I I liked his film and I liked him as a player. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I do kind of see like his role as a special teams player. Um, But I I definitely don't agree with like as a running back taking him over Khalil Herbert or uh, I don't know who else, which other running backs were still on the board. Um, Kylan Hill was still on there. Okay, so... um, (laughs) Yeah, so I had Herbert and Hill right back-to-back from each other. Um, I had Roundtree as RB9, so I was a little higher on him than than some other ones. I only graded 15 running backs. Um, and, and just for reference, uh, Chris Sims had Javian Hawkins as uh, number three on his board of running backs ahead of Najee Harris and Javante Williams. Oh, uh jb hawkins was the worst running back that i graded he was number oh, 15 really? out of 15 so <laughs> just wanted to point that out uh taking some victory laps over uh chris sims and uh, and jb hawkins went undrafted by the way but uh getting back to the chargers yeah I-, I didn't love this pick i like the special teams quote was i was like okay like let, let's let's see it like i'm excited about that but taking him over Khalil Herbert and kylan hill just um It doesn't make too much sense to me. So uh, I totally understand the criticism. The last pick of the draft is one that I'm actually really excited about, really intrigued by, and that's Mark Webb. Um, He was announced as a safety. He played some corner, mostly, mostly a slot guy. Um, But uh, you know, you turn on his tape and I, I see someone who I think could legitimately play safety. I know Brandon Staley said that they kind of view him as like a big nickel, um, but you know, he, he's not super fast and that showed in his RES score. I think he ran like a yeah. four, six, like a, like a high four, six. Um, and that definitely shows up on tape. You know, he gets burned a little bit deep sometimes, but I, I yeah. see a player who reacts well. He's smart, has a high football IQ. You see his size and his length on, on tape as well. And for the most part, he's a very good coverage guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's, he was one of the few guys that did not get destroyed by, you know, um, Rick, I'm forgetting his Kadarius Tony. He did okay on Kyle Pitts relative to guarding Kyle Pitts. <laughs> um, and yeah. he, I think he played really well as a big nickel in what Georgia was asking him to do. And so you know he's another one. I was surprised that that's the kind of the safety that they were going to take. Um, but I'm very intrigued by Mark Webb and you know, one of the quotes that Brandon Staley said that really stuck out really uh, stood out to me, is he said that they consider themselves a DB factory. So they clearly see some special traits in, uh, in Mark Webb, and, and I'm excited to see how that pans out. So this one, to me, is the second best pick of day three after uh, Brendan Hymas. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Mark Webb
3: uh, going forward. That DB factory quote reminds me of when Howie Roseman called the Eagles uh, QB factory after drafting Jalen Hurts. Oh, and they just, no. And they just, oh no. They just signed Jamie Newman. Uh, but um, yeah, which is interesting. But Mark Webb, I like. He's, he's also a Philly guy, so I have to give him love. Um, and, you know, uh, he actually went to high school with Kyle Pitts and uh, knows the Adderley because he's from Philly, too. Um, And, you know, that that adds to like, oh, actually this guy was my doctor's brother's, you know, he went to college (laughs) with uh, (laughs) all these draft picks, Um, which I think is important. I think that that aspect of like knowing a guy and knowing his character definitely um, is important. Mark Webb, I actually uh, uh, like a little bit. He is probably, you know, going to be a special teamer that's fighting for a roster spot kind of because they did take nine picks and they have 10 UDFAs too. So um, that's going to be something that'll be interesting. Uh, I think he has good length, like all of his physicals kind of match up and, you know, I thought he was okay on tape, like for, for a seventh round pick, I think they should have gone safety earlier, obviously, but um, it wasn't a a bad selection for sure. I'd probably give it a B. Nice. Look at that. Alex Alex,
2: finishing things positively. Very good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The speed, the speed issue definitely shows up on tape, but, when yeah. he tested poorly in agility, I was like, okay, interesting. And then I looked at the tape, and that didn't hold up as much on tape, in my opinion. But I, so there are times where web can really hang in the hip pocket of the receiver, and his mm-hmm. agility grade was bad. So maybe it's just all instincts and, and coverage awareness, which, hey, you know, that's really good too. I like that. Yeah. I'm mean, innocent Chargers fans really want to drill Williams. I haven't watched enough of him to see who is better, but web does line up like in the slot on either side of the field, sometimes directly over the tight end. So, I think that combination of football IQ the lineup, you know, wherever and the great tackling ability, I think it's a good developmental player and obviously a solid special teamer.
1: Yeah, I think when you look at his, you know, his length, his size and his tackling ability, that's to me, that's clearly what the Chargers are seeing in him. Um, And whether that's just a special teams guy or somebody they can develop and, you know, we'll have to wait and see if the DB factory quote actually pans out. Um, but that is funny that the Eagles said that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see how that one pans out. I, I think Mark Webb is intriguing, and I can I can see a world in which he becomes, like, a consistent contributor for this team. I don't know how much I can see that about Chris Rumpf and Larry Roundtree, uh, but we'll see how that pans out. So,
3: go ahead, Alex. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just going to say, you know, it, it's interesting that we talk about the safeties. Like, I, I totally like Mark Webb, totally like the pick. But Daniel Popper put up a tweet that's like, this team is signing Jaleel die by week five. <laughs> we I kind didn't of know it. Um, and I can disagree with him. Like, I like the pick, but it's just like, I think they needed a safety that was more capable of playing a significant amount of snaps now, especially because you're kind of already banking on Adderley improving and you're banking on Gilman being playable, like I said earlier. So um, I like the pick and they did what they had to do. But, you know, I, you know, it was just kind of like, all right, you know, we'll give you one piece of candy after we've been holding it for you for seven rounds. <laughs> that is a, that's a funny thing. So
1: um, one thing to mention here, though, is the NFL still has the roster restrictions from COVID. Um, so teams can only have 80 players on the roster right now. Um, we'll see if that changes because it is usually 90 at this time. Um, and I know Brandon Staley mentioned potentially onboarding some more players um specifically he mentioned defensive tackles and, and maybe a safety or two so uh if they do bring back julio die uh that would be very surprising i i but we'll have to see if that pans out um tyler's is, is alex frozen to you
2: oh yeah alex is making a really stupid face right now and he's frozen. So <laughs> i hope you guys are seeing this live because it's the like please like caption it and then make there we f- go oh, hey alex hi how are you there we go yeah so um, let, let's talk about
1: grades here, G- giving the the overall class a grade. Um, we're not going to go player by player and give them a grade. So we'll talk about overall grade for the class. Um, and then we'll do some winners and losers before we wrap up. So Tyler, uh, what is your overall grade for this draft class?
2: I like the class more than I did when I originally graded them, when I gave them an A minus. But I also still feel like I have to give them an A minus. Like I can't like make the... The, the the day three picks, like make it go too high up or drop it too far down. Like for me, yeah. it's all about the first two picks by far the very heavily weighted that way. Um, so I'm, I'm still going to go with A minus and I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. I did not give them an A the last two drafts. And so for this one, I think it was just a little bit better because of those first two picks. A couple of guys I like later on. Sure, there's some head scratchers, but I do see the vision of the whole class overall. I think they did find their guys and Staley found his guys and there is a plan let's see if they can do it
1: alex what's your yeah. uh, your grading process here or what's your grading thought process here
3: um i mean my grading thought process <laughs> i put my grades on twitter yesterday and he was like "You said you know some guy i was talking to he's like oh well your grades average out to like a c because it's like well you gave Rashawn slater an a plus and you gave yeah. larry roundtree an f <laughs> um but it's like that's not really how it works like Rashawn slater is a much more important player than Larry Roundtree is like the yeah, first mm-hmm. round pick is much more important than the sixth, seventh round pick. So it's like, to me, you can't weigh them equally. Right. Uh, so even right. though, you know, if you literally took all my grades and you probably would have been a C, but it's like they nailed the first three picks to me and they got uh, Brendan Hymas, who I think is a good future right. depth guy. Um, So I think nailing those first three picks and getting three consistent, uh, you know, starters from day one like i think that's just crucial um so to me i give it an a minus i probably lean between that and a b plus um but i'm not going to be a bitch today and give it the lowest grade <laughs> out of all of us so i'll say a minus um <laughs> you <know>.
2: that's surprising
3: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i you know questionable day three picks um yeah. like i said but to me the fact that you got slater samuel palmer um that's just it's so huge uh, in terms of this team I think Daniel Jeremiah said this on Twitter it's like well if you get three good starters right that's a good draft you get four that's great and I think they're kind of at like three and a half you know good starters that's that's sort of depending on how the rest of the class um pans out so that's kind of the over under number I like what they did here a lot um so even though I don't like some of the later picks which we we covered in depth here uh I think that they did a really good job
1: yeah, I totally agree with that. I and I think we're all in, in unison with, you know, this A And, you know, well, I think three and a half starters, I think that's that's a solid bar for this team because I, I do feel very confident. Obviously that Slater and Sam are going to be long-term starters for this team. Um, and then, you know, I would assume that at least one of Palmer or Hymas are are able to end up as starters. So um we're gonna end up this wrap up this conversation by by listing some winners and losers. Um, to me, the biggest winner of this draft is Justin Herbert, and I think that's kind of the overall theme for the draft, right? You get him two offensive linemen to grow with him. You get him another weapon, get him a blocking tight end who could potentially develop into another weapon. So Justin Herbert has to be very happy right now, and I think he is the biggest winner of, of the Chargers for the draft class.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. the entire offseason, really. Sorry, Alex. Go ahead.
3: No, you... That was it. Oh, yeah, Justin Herbert, <laughs> I think is <laughs> Justin Herbert, I think is a huge winner, um, you know, just based on the fact that they got him protection, they got him uh, one weapon and we'll see what McKinney turns into. Um, but yeah, I think that it was hard to say it was a bad day for him. Definitely a winner of this class. Uh, I, I guess I would say another winner is kind of the ground game as a whole. Like, I mean, you know, regardless of my thoughts on Larry Roundtree. I think that you have Rashawn Slater. I think the offensive line is a lot better now because of Rashawn Slater. Um, he can get to the second level. So, like, the fact that you had that, I think the run game is going to look a lot better than it did this year.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, to me, the biggest loser uh, is going to be Brian Bulaga. I know that might be a, a little bit of a surprise for some selection, but I I know that they have an out for him next year. Uh, I don't see a world in which Brian Bulaga is on the roster in 2022. Um, I think he's going to struggle with some injuries again, just because he is, you know, a 34 or 35 year old player. And when that happens, they're going to have every reason to cut him. And now they have legitimate options behind him because, you know, they still apparently remain bullish on Trey Pipkins. Uh, now they have Brendan Hymas who can play right tackle. They have Matt Filer who can play right tackle, potentially another good draft class next year in the tackle class. So, uh, to me, the biggest loser of the draft is Brian Balaga.
2: I don't really have a biggest loser. Like, I don't know. There's not like nobody really like lost that hard. Maybe KJ Hill and Mike Williams, depending on how you look at it because of the Palmer pick. Um, I do want to throw a winner in there uh, a little different. That's Darius Swinton. I think Telesco finally went out and found guys who can contribute yeah. on special teams and fix their issues that they had last season. So now you get potentially like three different gunners. You get Smith, Webb, Neiman, you know, Roundtree is your personal protector, um, which Kelly bombed that, you know, McKitty and Hymes can block. And you know, they even brought an undrafted free agent kicker. So yeah,
1: special- they got three kickers now on the roster. Yeah,
2: so special teams is a huge issue before, but it looks like Telesco's is getting enough bodies to make it work. Um, but as far as losers go, like I don't, I don't really have one. Like everyone, we're all winners. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alex, did you um, have the biggest
2: loser?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say the biggest loser. You could throw Joshua Kelly in there, um, as you know, yeah. based on the yeah. fact they did take a running back uh, who you know can block a little bit better. Um, So I guess going further on that, I would say a lot of the Anthony Lynn legacy picks that we kind of talk about later in drafts, I think that, you know, depending on, you know, you have this new coaching staff who could choose to go in a different direction. So I would say all those guys are kind of on the hot seat now, Um, whether it's, you know, Alohi Gilman, potentially, uh, maybe not this year, but in the future, uh, Joshua Kelly. I think that that's you know that last draft class is going to look um, a little bit rough, and I can see them kind of moving on from some guys or just getting guys that they're more comfortable with because this is the first draft class of new coaching staff.
1: Yeah, and you know I think you talk about a, another winner of this class, and that's Tom Telesco, and you know we've kind of had this conversation a little bit of him you know, having these no-brainer selections, and he got two of them this class. And if we look back in five, six years and Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. are the players that I think they're going to be, then I would imagine that Tom Telesco is still around. And I would imagine that Tom Telesco is, you know, getting a big contract extension uh, if that is the case. So um, I don't know how much credit he deserves for these selections, the first two, but they were great selections, and I I cannot wait to see how they pan out. So Alex and Tyler, any final thoughts uh, about this draft class before we wrap up today's
2: show? Uh, yeah, Like, I know they fell into his lap. I hate the whole thing that Telesco, you know, doesn't shouldn't get credit because guys fell into his lap. You still have to make the decision. Like, you could be the Raiders yeah. and be like, should I take a really good player <laughs> or not a good player and make yeah. the wrong decision? So, like, yeah, it was probably really easy to take Slater. But, you know, Telesco could have gone, well, I like taller guys who are not as good, but they fit my height, the requirement. But no, he took Slater. You know, they could have reached and taken, I don't know. No, Tyson Campbell went first pick of day two, right? or day, Yeah, was it okay, was yeah, so the first
1: pick of day two, yep.
2: Insert corner's name here. They could have taken a lesser corner, and they didn't because even though Samuel Jr. had his, you know, issues, they went with that guy. They could have gone any other direction, and they picked the exact right guys until later on. So I, I don't like that whole thing that Telesco, like, oh, he just doesn't get credit because they fell to his lap. Well, like, technically, every player falls into the GM's lap that takes them because they had to get there, That's unless true. you straight up to get the guy. So, you just have to make the right choice. And I think he did.
3: Fair enough. But also, just, you know, give credit to Telesco for his patience, right? Like, you know, he could have, there were a lot of rumors about the Chargers trading out for Panay Sewell, right? And if you traded for Panay Sewell, you probably might have not gotten uh, Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel, right? Maybe mm-hmm. you have to throw that second yes, round sure. pick there uh, to be able to move up or, you know, another, another pick in this draft, whether that's Rum for Palmer, right? Uh, plus potentially future first. So, like, I give him credit for sticking back and be like, no, I'm going to let a prelate in front of me. And if it's Darasaw, it's Darasol. If it's Slater, it's Slater. You know, he got Slater in that case. Um, and then that kind of, you know, uh, was also round two, right? Maybe I can trade up for Asante Samuel Jr. right now, but I'll wait. And, you know, maybe if he's off the board, I'll go Sucomo, right? Like, I think that patience yeah. um, is kind of a virtue. And <laughs> Telesco has five trade-ups in his history and zero trade-downs, right? So uh, I, I do think... That, that is a good thing uh, about this draft in general.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I think, you know, a lot of us got caught up in the, you know, Panay was on the board at seven and they could have potentially traded up for him. But, you know, I would much rather have Slater and Samuel than just Sewell. So that's a great point by Alex. So that'll do it for us today, guys. Make sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We, uh, we obviously had a great weekend live stream with you guys. We're going to continue to do our weekly Q&As on YouTube. Um, So make sure and hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast. We do always appreciate that. And honestly, like this was a great week for us and we had so much fun interacting with you guys on YouTube. Um, And so thank you so much for tuning in. None of this, none of the stuff that we're doing right now would be possible without you Um, above average gamer. And who's the other one? Um, And Jorge Rodriguez. I need your guys' shipping info because neither of you sent me a DM on Twitter or anything. So uh, the two of you, please respond to me somehow so we can get you those two giveaways. Do you have have one of them? I have Above Average Gamer already. Okay, well, there we go. Then we're just missing Jorge Rodriguez. So Jorge Rodriguez, if you're listening to this, please uh, message us somehow. All right, guys, that'll do it for today. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?